Welcome to Plug In For More, brought to you by EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse is your one-stop shop for all things related to the electric vehicle. Here on this podcast, our goal is to educate, inspire, and hopefully make your transition into the electric vehicle marketplace a lot less intimidating. And now, here are your hosts, Mike, Tom, and Bryant. So we'll do this. So we'll kick it off here. Uh, we're all recording. It looks like everyone's levels are good. Um, My levels don't show anything on my side. Do you guys see any? We do. Yeah. Yeah. We all see. Right. I'm just going to trust you guys. It looks acceptable. So we're, we're missing Brian today. Brian is off lollygagging in uh, beautiful California, Pebble Beach at the Pebble Beach Concours. Taking some cool, cool videos and pictures and learning all about a whole bunch of fancy stuff out there, which lucky him. Yeah, I saw he saw a couple of uh, he saw the new Fisker and the new DeLorean. Cool. Along He's with, super uh, jealous about that. <laughs> yeah, the Mercedes too. I mean, those uh, new concept cars. I think they had four of them. Mm-hmm. And so the Faraday Future is out there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, how, we have a guest with us today. Oh, you're good. Am I the guest? You're, you're the guest, Aaron. You're, we're, I'm uh, the guest today. <laughs> welcome to the team. And uh, Mike, you want to give us an introduction for, for Aaron? Absolutely. So Aaron Jones is the EV Universe EV educator. So welcome to the podcast for the first time. I know we've got some videos coming out as well. So check that out with Aaron and myself. We're running through a whole bunch of different things. Um, a lot of things about maintenance, just kind of his days at Tesla, different things that are EV related, and he has all the background that you will need um, from someone who's been in the industry. So we're really excited to have him. And so welcome, Aaron. This is, again, your first time on the podcast. Yeah, first time on a podcast. I'm really excited about it. Two firsts. Oh, spotlight. There you go. <laughs> For our one listener, they're going to be really excited to hear you. So that's, that's pretty I, good. Hey, Mike is more than just a listener, okay? <laughs> Fair enough. So can, can you catch us up for, I mean, obviously I have a little bit of an idea, Aaron, but uh, I want to let everyone else know what you bring to the table and uh, what your background is. Yeah. So, I, you know, started my technical career working with BMW, which I, I really liked. Um, I've always had a soft spot for Europeans, um, the cars, I mean, um, but it's kind of got... I don't want to say boring, but it did get a little boring after a few years. Um, I was kind of young and, and Tesla reached out. So I hopped over on that bandwagon and man, they, um, they definitely gave me a lot of opportunities. I I've spent some time in, I spent six weeks in Norway with them, uh, helping the service center in Oslo while they had a, a huge backup. Um, I've opened service centers. Uh, I've repaired some pretty cool people's cars. Uh, Mr. Beast, I've Cheryl Crow, uh, just a, a few introductions that way. Um, but really, I, it really opened my eyes to the EV world, to the EV family. So I knew when I left that I wanted to continue doing something like that. And I didn't really expect for it to spider like it has. I mean, being part of the EV universe has been huge, just being able to get out there and produce content for, for consumers who are just starting to dabble, which I think we're seeing a lot more of nowadays. Now that everyone and their mother is making an EV. A lot more people are taking this to a decision. Uh, so just being a part of that's huge. Um, when I'm not working with EV Universe, I teach uh, technicians 
how to maintain and repair EV vehicles in the field so that people don't have to rely as much on dealers anymore, uh, which has kind of been the stronghold, unfortunately, with the EV field is that, you know, it's an electric car. You can't take it to your Jiffy Lube or something for a tire rotation. So that's kind of where I kick in on the backside as well. Awesome. Well, good. Welcome. I plan to do good things here. All right, things. Adequate things, as my microphone is, evidently. <laughs> so, Aaron, I mean, I've got a thousand questions for you as far as, you know, your days at Tesla. And I know some things you can talk about, some things you can't. Um, but, you know, one of the first things that comes to mind is, you know, since you spent, you know, so much time in a service center working on cars, you see a lot of people ask, hey, you know, my car is in service and I can't get a hold of anybody or I want to call somebody at the service center. Do you have any tricks or and tips for people who want to get in, you know, talk to someone at that service center? What's what's the best way to do that? So uh, I, I was a supervisor before I left Tesla and, and that was probably one of the leads to an escalation. The escalation always started with a customer never being able to get in touch with their service advisor, um, never being able to get a status on their vehicle, not being able to know if it was going to be done the same thing. So I, you try to reach out with the best tips because right now we're they're going into a very virtual communication system. So text messaging, um, anything like that, and the app can slow, be slow to respond. Um, most of the time, if you put the city's name, so uh, Charlotte underscore service at tesla.com, that is going to be the email address main for the service center. On that email address, 75% of the employees are going to are see that. So you're going to be able to get that email pretty wide across, and it's going to catch somebody's attention. So, I mean, it doesn't hurt to email the service center. You know, text messaging on the app is always going to be the what they tell you to do. Um, I just I hate to see when customers just have to kind of show up to communicate. Sure. So basically email them, use the app to text message, anything, any tricks as far as calling in. Now I've heard there's a a way if you call in and then you select that your car is in service, then that's a way to actually get someone to pick up the phone. Does that actually work? So uh I recently called in to the service center and they no longer have that option. Um, but if you do select your local service center, it's like three or four, whatever uh, the number is, um, and then put in your 10-digit number. Now, sometimes what it will happen is if you put your 10-digit number in there, it will give you the status update of your vehicle. Um, I don't have a, a Tesla, so when I put mine in there, it just skips over that and rings the front desk. So if for some reason you get stuck in that loop, Try your partner's phone, your business, you know, something like that that may not be in Tesla's system, and then let it just go to the front desk. Mm, that's a really good, really good tip. So, okay, so we got that kind of out of the way as far as my questions on tips and tricks. One of the other things is Tesla gets a bad rap for their fit and finish and, you know, what can be fixed, what can't be. You know, in your experience, you know, especially with the, let's start with, you know, the body panels and the, the, the gaps that people see there, you know, how easy are those to, you know, fix, um, to adjust so that they fit, or are you kind of just moving one and, you know, there's going to be another one that's not right. You know, what, what. So to Tesla's credit, um, 
when I was 21 years old, I didn't really have my life together too well either. So we look at where Tesla is as a company. I mean, it's, it's still super young. I mean, it's, it's just learned that it can drink legally and it's Ubering home on the weekends. All right. That's where Tesla is in their production. I mean, they just got their first job, you know, they're really rocking. Um, so it, it takes some time for the fit and finish. And yeah, early build Model 3s, um, early build Model Ys were pretty bad too. I mean, Model Xs were coming to us when they were first coming off the line, not completed. Um, we were finishing those in the service center. Oh, hang on, hang on. Um, I, I, don't, I got to jump in here. So when you say not completed, are we talking? <laughs> are we talking? Just interior. Just, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Yeah, are we talking about a bumper was was not installed? Or are we talking about you know like just a couple small interior pieces? Expand. I mean, it was a, it was a small couple of of times, but you would open the trunk of a Model X that came off of you know the uh, transport truck, and there's the C pillars, and some of the carpet would just be in there. You know, when you're at end of line, you are producing these vehicles so quickly that unless it is a no drive issue where the vehicle could not be driven by the customer or the service center they rely on the local service center and when you're producing that type of volume with a very small margin of error that's kind of what they have to do so a lot of the times the service center repaired it um, they would deploy uh, tactical response teams if they needed to to help at the factory to kind of get these all buttoned back up but we didn't really see that in the three and Y. Like the X was kind of like one of those where they were like, eh, "It's got weird doors. We don't know how to put this together." Yeah. All right. On to the next one. Hmm. Um, but so when you talk about fit and finish, um, it's really important to start at one spot of the car, and that's going to be the front. So when you build the fit and finish, the adjusting needs to go back, um, and it's really not that difficult. There are a couple of difficult parts. Um, like when you look at, for some reason, you want to adjust your Model X trunk. Um, the hinges for the Model X trunk is underneath the glass. Yeah, I removed the glass to get to it. But when you talk about three uh, and Y trunks, uh, fenders, doors, it's a couple 13 millimeter bolts. You loosen them up a little bit, you set them in place, and you torque them back down. Nice. So is that something the weekend warrior can do, or is that something? most people should to go back into the service center and have them adjusted or do it before they, they leave when they're accepting their car, or at least, you know, put it in the app that has been noted. What's your, what's your recommendation there? So for the frustration level of the customer, if they feel comfortable doing it, do it. Um, it is something that I could do uh, by myself without anybody's help. And I'm not saying that as like, um, like you have to be a mechanic to do it. I mean, just like uh, a ratchet and another arm to hold the door or the fender. Um, it's it's something that's very simple to do. Now, should it be right before it leaves? Yeah. Um, and you can notate it at the service center. Um, but there are there's times where maybe just due to the rush or something like that, uh, do bills don't get noted. And then you come into the service center and it's like all of a sudden we've never even seen your car. And it's not service's fault. And usually it's not sales fault either. Um, it's just a human error. So it's, it's either get it fixed there or tackle it yourself. 
Um, it's hard to kind of rely on anything other than paint uh, to go into another service visit or be noted. You know, one of the things we try to do in this podcast is reduce misinformation and make sure that we're giving everybody an accurate picture of an EV ownership. And, you know, from your standpoint, what is some of the biggest misinformation out there and how do we correct that? Charging, charging and range. Both of those can just go out the window. All right. Um, In today's date, the average vehicle driver does not have to worry about range. A couple reasons like that. one of my favorite groups, you know, I'm not going to shout them out on the uh, podcast, but they're TikTok owners or they're EV owners and they're on TikTok. Um, all day they battle people with their Rivian and their Lightning. And they're like, well, I can't tow my 14 horse trailer across Texas in this thing. And it's like, no, you're not supposed to be able to, you know, this is a, this is an F-150 for a guy who's going to Home Depot every weekend to pick up some two by fours, you know, Um 350 miles, I mean, heck, even 280 miles of range is plenty for your everyday driver. Like, this fear and anxiety of, uh, this will never be able to meet my needs. Now, if it was an old Nissan Leaf where it was getting, like, 40, and if it was cold, you're lucky getting out of the driveway, yeah, then, like, that's a real concern. But we're looking at these cars that can stop and charge and if Electrify America gets their stuff together and builds some good charging spots, then, um, you know, we, <laughs> you don't really have to worry about getting stranded. Um, that's been my biggest one. Um, and then kind of on that same thing range, a lot of companies need to take away the mild rating in the range calculation. And this is just my hot take. It should only be percentage. Because if I had a dollar for every time I had a customer tell me that they were losing seven miles off of their max charge when they charged last night, um, I'd be a millionaire. I, I, this would be a different conversation. So, Aaron, when, when people come in and they say that, you know, let's say their they're, you know, quoted EPA range is 300 miles, right? And then they have their car, and I think it has been proven over and over again, you know, there's a eight to ten percent you know decrease in range over the first year for degradation and then it kind of slowly you know or maybe that's five percent excuse me and then it slows slows down to about ten percent over the next x number of years it kind of stays around that range um you know when you when you have people come in and say hey it dropped a bunch what's happening there is it and i'm guessing you're going to tell me it's due to the driving habits of that particular person um or maybe their air their they don't have their tires fully inflated or something along those lines. But what are you, what are you seeing? Well, and, and that's the hard part about range diagnosis. Um, range can be broken into, you know, a hundred different categories. I mean, there's your complete charge. Um, you know, I plugged it in last night and I didn't get 350. Now that could be a number of different things. That could just be an imbalance in your algorithm. It could be the temperature, the um, the algorithm just switching some things with your recent kilowatt hours uh, it could be a firmware bug. Um, but then people will equate it to like, well, now I'm losing three miles per mile that I drive. Uh, driving habits is a huge one, um, especially when it comes to wintertime. Uh, vehicles without heat pumps, which are, you know, the new technology that's in the Model 3, the Model Y. Um, I think the Jaguar I-Pace has a heat pump. Uh, the Kia EV6, you know, those vehicles that have heat pumps, 
if you don't have a heat pump, you basically have a candle warmer to warm your vehicle. So you plug it in, it gets hot off of the electricity. So you're burning kilowatts just trying to keep the cabin warm. Um, tire inflation, another huge thing to do with it. But there also may be an issue with the battery pack. The really cool thing about battery technology is that it's so advanced that when it does start you know, seeing, let's say, a, a cell imbalance or a battery management board issue, it's going to notify the consumer and the dealer quickly. Um, there's been very few times that there's been an actual internal balance issue with a battery pack um, that either myself or my technicians weren't able to prove uh, through alerts or through uh, voltage tests. Makes sense. So you, you mentioned something there as far as heat pumps. <laughs> and, um, you know, you know, there's there's some cars, again, like the Kia EV6, the all-wheel drive has a heat pump, but the rear-wheel drive doesn't. I was doing some research on that earlier today because I had some people asking questions on that very topic. And they were going, you know, what I live in northern Wisconsin, what kind of car should I be looking at? And, you know, we ran through, you know, Model 3, Model Y, do the heat pumps. The Mustang Mach-E doesn't have a heat pump. And that's mm -hmm. something, yeah, Tom, I mean, that's something we'll have to think about there. We'll um, keep an eye on that. All right. Well, and I, I would say, so I've, I, I've seen under the frunk of a Mach-E, and it, it looks like the underneath of a first-gen Model S. I mean, there's just coolant lines everywhere. There's a chiller in the fender for some reason, <laughs> but there's two coolant reservoirs. It's, it's a big thing. Um, and then when you look at like heat pump systems, it's two components, you know, I mean, there, yeah, there's some coolant lines that run to all the other places. Um, but the pumps are usually combined with the reservoirs. Um, I need to do some research on the EV6 because I think that they use a reverse and flow to actually heat and cool the cabin. So while they keep the standard heating and cooling circuit going, when they need to heat it, they just flip it, and it goes the other way, producing the warmth in the cabin. That's um, actually supposed to be a very cool system. Like this is a, a super manifold out of a three. Yeah, so, so what does that do? So what this does is it takes refrigerant and it pressurizes it. So when refrigerant is pressurized, uh, which is often done to you know help cool the vehicle. Um, it produces heat. Uh, so what it does is it takes that byproduct of heat from pressurizing refrigerant, and instead of just dissipating it through the condenser that you see in normal AC vehicles, it dissipates the heat through your cabin so that you are now being warmed without needing to have an extra component. So normally, if I knew I was doing show and tell, I would have been prepared. Um, You'd have one of these. So this is your positive temperature coefficient heater. And like I said, it's just a big candle warmer, plugs in and gets hot. And it's super efficient. I mean, those, those PTC heaters are 100% efficient. There's nothing that of its job that it doesn't do. But for every three kilowatts that that burns, the heat pump system is gonna burn one kilowatt because it's just, 
doesn't need any power. The only high voltage that goes to a heat pump system is going to be the compressor, which is also getting power in mm. a normal AC system. So like for Tom, if you guys got under negative 10, which just move. I know. Go somewhere <laughs> and, else. And we will get under <laughs> Why would you, why would you do that? We, we try to get under the pot. You know, every winter I wonder why I live someplace where the air hurts my face, but you know. <laughs> like if you get outside and it is colder than it is yeah. in your freezer, right? don't live there. But the summers here make up for it. You're listening to the Plug In For More podcast. If you're looking for information on electric vehicles, electric vehicles components, or information on how to reduce your carbon footprint, look no further than EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse.com is your one-stop shop for all things related to electric vehicle. Uh, it looks like Tesla's quit taking Model 3 reservations right now. Long-range uh, all-wheel drive reservations. They have plenty of demand. And I think they're a year out. Yeah. So are they just capping it because they there's no point? Good on them. Uh, you know, at this point, they I think they finally learned that they can just stop taking reservations instead of over promising to their customers. I mean, you you keep getting these dates. Um, how, I mean, was your Model Y ever pushed back? We haven't talked about this. So I got I sold my. Uh, Model Y long range. And the reason I got that car was because I had gotten an accident with my older Model S P85D and that was going to take a while to get repaired. So I was very lucky and I was able to get a long range Model Y within three days after that happened, um, which is unheard of. And I apologize to anyone listening out there who's trying to get a Model Y because... Who's been who's been on the waiting list for like the last eight months? Yeah. Just like, <laughs> and so when that car came in... I, I mean, I took it because I needed a car and I was happy and grateful to get it. Um, but it wasn't what I was really looking for. I was looking for a performance and I wanted white on white. And uh, so I ordered one of those a while back and um, I just got it about a week and a half ago. Um, but it did take, it, it got pushed back two different times. Um, so I was originally supposed to be getting it uh, early August and it got pushed back to the end of August. Both times got pushed back only a week at a time. So it was still really close, but it did get pushed back. Yeah. And I think, so I think that's better to just say, Hey, we just can't fulfill these orders right now. Like it's a uh, second quarter of 2023 is where I think the latest delivery is right now. So, so that's what, uh, April of 2023 is when people are expecting their next car and it just doesn't make financial sense because if you if you look at your trade-in value it only lasts for 90 days so people are are sending out and quoting out for these new vehicles getting the trade-in value on their vehicle that they're now going to drive for another six to eight months while they wait on their why and then I mean heck you wreck it you lose your trade-in you lose your job or something I feel like that there was a, a balance of like keeping customers happy with delivery times. And I'd be curious to see how many people they were actually losing uh, purchasing vehicles that were waiting six to eight months for their vehicle. Yeah. I mean, you go get a, a, is there a wait for EV sixes right now? Yeah, there is, but not that long. Um, and there's definitely been some on dealer lots that have come in. 
Um, I mean, that's how Bryant picked up his. I mean, he, yeah. he had one that was coming yeah. in and he only had like a two week wait, um, three weeks, something like that. Um, so it wasn't very long. Tom, what's your weight on your Maki? Well, I was just going to talk about that. So my Maki, I've ordered it in March of 2022. So we're about five months in right now. I got an email two days ago from the Ford Motor Company saying, as promised, we want to update you on the status of your Mustang Maki. We are still experiencing delays due to supply chain challenges that Ford and our industry are facing at this time. Please understand that while getting your vehicle into production is taking longer than usual, we are doing all that we can to minimize delays, and there's nothing we want more than deliver to deliver your new Mustang Mach-E. We are fully committed to keeping you updated on your vehicle status, and we'll let you know as more information becomes available, blah, 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 Ford Motor Company. Every 45 days, I get that email. So how many times do you get that email? <laughs> I like three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man. Uh, and, that, and that stinks too, because as we're seeing chip development coming back to the States or, you know, being kind of widened in the States, I'm hoping that manufacturers of vehicles, bikes, boats, whatever they're making, these turnaround times are going to become faster because consumers are still hungry. Like consumers still want to spend money on, on flashy things. And, and I think we see, Every time we see that gas spike just a smidge, people are just like, it's time. There it's time for an EV. Yep. Um and then people are losing out on it. Now I'm I'm gonna be super curious uh to drive the new uh EV six GT. Yeah. Uh, not, and, and so <laughs> everyone's listening, but that's not the 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 wind or it's the GT line that's currently out. So the GT line is top of the Kia line right now for the EV6, but the GT is the fast one. That is the, yeah. it's 3.4 0 to 60 is what they're talking about. I think it's five, yeah. 577 wow. horsepower, something like that, like that. Don't quote me on those numbers, but um, it's fast. It's very, very fast. And I think it's the fastest Kia ever to be made. And that's saying something. I mean, the Kia Stinger is, Kia Stinger is a pretty, pretty cool car. I, I I have a I have a soft spot for the Stinger and Chargers. All right, I feel like Chargers and Stingers are both in the same category for me of big body sedans. Sure. So, um, I have a thing for Stingers. Tom, don't look at me like that. He just got that. Look I, I see it. I see it in his eyes. The judgment. The judgment is hard. Well, it's well. The the cool thing about the the EV6. GT is that it's not just fast, you know, it's it's getting a brake revamp, it's getting a stiffer chassis, it's lowering a little bit. So it's just going to be overall just more fun yeah. to drive. The, which is what I the seats. I mean the seats are amazing. Yeah. I love those. Um I mean and that's something that you really haven't seen at least in Teslas. I mean you, the interiors are the same if it's a performance or non-performance. It's just it is what it is. And so I did want to, though, the other thing I wanted to mention is y'all's take on um, when we were at Cars and Coffee, I, I was talking to, um, a, you know, an enthusiast there. And we were talking about, do you prefer electric vehicles to look like their counterparts? So like the i4, do you prefer an EV to look like a four series Grand Coupe? Or do you prefer your EV to be wild and crazy, like an EV6 or an Ionic 5. 
hot take for me personally i i always want something that's going to stand out a little bit that's just my sort of my personality i want to have something that's a little bit different that's not the same old same old um and when i had the bmw i4 I had to scream at people to be like, it's an EV, it's an EV, it's an EV. At the car show, it was the same thing. I mean, we had to pop open the hood. We had to take off the engine cover, quote unquote, um, just so people could see it. And then half the people thought it was a conversion that came up. They thought we did some amazing work, which we corrected some of them. We didn't correct all of them. but um, I didn't correct all of them. Yeah, you know? yeah. They came through with a clipboard. I was like, yeah, I... I this yeah exactly two <laughs> weeks in our garage it was fine everything looks stock for a reason um but yeah i mean so it was a lot of i mean to me that kind of was a um a letdown a little bit that it it had the bmw fit and finish and the interior was great and it it, it rode really nice but um if you're gonna you know wait a year for a car i kind of want it to be a little bit special i don't know i prefer more something more of a sleeper I'd like a classic appearance, you know. But you got a Mach-E. Yeah. You know, the Mustang. Because <laughs> I, I don't just yeah. having that one long. I really like the F-150 Lightning. After driving yeah. that, like, that's, it looks like a truck. It feels like it's like the nicest driving truck I've ever been in. You know, it's, that's probably for me. If that, if not that, the Silverado, we'll see what that's like when it actually hits the, hits the ground running. But and like, I, think... I wouldn't be able to drive a Cybertruck. Like, I know that. You would? Like, not a chance. Oh, yeah. I would not. You wouldn't? Yeah. Is it too much for you? It, it, it's too. Look at me. I can't do yeah, it. I, I, it's I, too I, I Laura Croft. Yep. Yeah, it's. I and I. I was kind of really hoping for just a slight redesign of it, um, but. Uh, but I think I'm somewhere in the happy middle, especially uh, looking at like the Lightning. Like, if I want a truck, the Rivian, the Lightning. Um, you know, you compare those two, I think I would go Lightning. I like the more traditional truck F-150 appearance. Um, but I think, like, the perfect in-between car of, like, crazy and, you know, kind of calm is, like, the ID4. I think, because, like, the ID4 is, like, kind of Volkswagen-y, but it's also yep. a little bit different. Um, so if I had to personally put my EV personality on a car... It would probably be the ID four, which is kind yeah. of sad. <laughs> I'm going to throw something out at you now. When we're talking about looks, but and you've looked at obviously a lot of different EVs now, Aaron, other than just Tesla, which you spent years upon years fixing those and diving into them and knowing, you know, almost all that there is to know about them. You know, if you're going to get a, a, a new EV, let's say you know, money's no object, wait time, no object, don't have to worry about how much cargo pack capacity, any of that. But which one would you say is kind of the best built at this point in time for an EV? And best overall EV? Well, what's your take there? So, so taking my bias out of it, I'd still go performance model three. Tesla's charging network is unbeatable. Seeing the guts of all these vehicles, uh, the 10 years that Tesla's been developing vehicle, like actually mass producing EV vehicles shows in the simplicity of their components and how everything's built. So future-proofed, I would say a Model 3 is still pretty future-proof. Now, Palladium, I'm a little scared of because they've got some new technology in there. The battery bulkhead's different. You know, it's got internals inside of it. 
not super let's 100% on that yet. I want to back up a little bit palladium explain that to the non tesla focused person what the heck does tom tom right now i know is sitting there he's wondering what now just happened so what so palladium was the newest facelift of model s and x um this is the plaids is what we're talking about so the plaid is the performance palladium is the calling card for the new facelift okay got it um so the palladium series would be like the s and the x with the new front bumpers the uh landscaped uh display the IPM sim motors in the front and the rear, so the internal permanent magnet synchronous reluctance motors. Yeah, it's a lot. It's just it's just magnets that do this, and the car goes like that. You know, just <laughs> 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 um, but so Palladium when it popped off in uh, it was it's it was third fourth quarter of 2021. It there's a whole bunch of technology that's different in it and what i mean by that is it's a huge it's like a model s and a model three drove at each other as fast as possible and then what you got from the accident is what you have now so it's got you know a model three car computer um it's got a model s battery cell technology but it's got model three high voltage architecture with a heat pump and a lithium ion battery for the 12 volt instead of a lead acid battery. So there's there's a lot of new technology that we saw in the 2021, 2022s, 2023s, uh, S and Xs. And they may be fast as all get out, uh, especially with the tri-motor plaids, um, but nothing hits as solid as a performance Model 3. It's fast, it's fun. Um, I mean, if money was no issue, I'd have a rebat. But um, I feel like, I mean, more realistically, a performance Model Three, and then maybe I'd get like a like a Viper to do a conversion on or something. That's a really good idea. I wonder where that came from. (laughs) Is it time to start drinking, folks? I don't know. Um, Uh, Rub that in every time you get a chance. (laughs) <laughs> Every time we bring it up, I wasn't going to. Well, I'm, well, look, we've got the challenger. We got the challenger. So how long until Dodge just does their own conversion? You know, we might see the new ECR Viper well, in five they, they years. Have, you did never you see know. the Banshee? Mm-mm. Oh yeah, so Dodge has the new Banshee uh, concept car, the EV. I'll send it to you after the after the podcast here. Take a look at it. <laughs> Oh yeah, I did see this. It's the Charger or the Challenger. Yeah, I mean, the Challenger. And that, so I did. Okay, all right. Uh, I did hear a sound clip, and I'm really hoping it was just a really bad microphone. <laughs> but the fake sound that it makes. Yeah. It, someone ran over a cat before they recorded it. Like I'm, a, I don't like that. It it could just <laughs> maybe it has to be an in person thing. This doesn't translate oh. over a microphone and speakers i mean and this is literally dodge doing what impossible meats did for the vegetarian community it's like how close can we get you to a hamburger without it being a hamburger <laughs> oh it makes funny sounds yep. now well and they're gonna have what if they're gonna have a uh a manual transmission apparently yeah, yeah I, or shiftable so, i think is what they said shiftable which we'll see what that actually translates to but like God, it is like I. It's 
freaking sharp. That's a good one. I do really yeah. like it. Yeah. Well, and going back to the noise, I had the, you know, with the, the I-8 had kind of a futuristic weird noise, and then the I-4, kind of the same thing. They made a, what, Hans Zimmer production noise thing that sounded extremely, extremely fake. To me, I I kind of like the Dodge. At least it sounded a little bit like it, it went with the revs a little bit, or what you'd anticipate. Yeah. Uh, Maybe not the noise so much, but um, I don't know. To me, it's a better attempt than what BMW has done. Well, in BMWs, uh, to be honest with you, when we were driving it on the highway, I was like, "Ah, that Roadster's making a lot of noise. I was like, that can't be him. So I'd roll down the window and I couldn't hear it anymore. It's like the sound is only populated inside it made sound (laughs) it wasn't any i don't think i have a true pro or con of their sound uh i probably would take it out just because um it probably doesn't have its own dedicated sound module and it probably takes some power from the amp which you want when you're listening to music so it cuts um, the music a little bit just a tad yeah which so that that to me that was really awkward i didn't really like that um, but with the, the going back to the Dodge, that makes sound outside the car. Yeah. Which, I mean, and it, it's kind of a win win for Dodge because I think that they get some kind of kickback for pedestrian production. I think so that. too. Because so, when you're anyone who's had an early EV, when you're driving through a parking lot and you sneak up on somebody, you can scare them pretty easily or you can actually, you know, run somebody over, which obviously that's the reason you have that sound. But uh, if you can use that noise, I think that's kind of a win. Yeah, and then I mean, we they all have them in backup, and I think it's up to seven miles an hour. Um, but it'll be kind of nice for it to con like you can choose toggle whether you want the sound or not. Yeah. Um, maybe not come through. Well, I don't know. I'm feeling weird about it pulling into like a cars and coffee. Like, how would the community take? Oh, it? you get roasted. You'd get roasted. You'd get roasted. <laughs> which which really stinks. Aaron, thanks for joining the first podcast with you. I know we have many more planned. Um, Tom, again, yeah. Geez, you see, you guys just totally f***ed me up here. So, Aaron, being this is your first podcast, I can also comfortably say this is probably the most professional podcast you've ever been a part of. So that must be really exciting for you, and, and I know it is for us. So we, I appreciate you being here and being a part of it. Thanks, Aaron. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Yeah. We'll see you until next time. All right. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to plug in for more. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out the one-stop EV marketplace, eviuniverse.com. Until next time.